This episode contains graphic content that some listeners may find upsetting. Listener discretion is advised. The last time we talked about the people of Bikini Atoll, they had been moved to Rongerik, and the US had told global reporters that the atoll, which was about a quarter the size of Bikini, was richer in natural resources. This turned out to be a lie, deliberately told to keep everyone from knowing the truth. Rongerik Atoll had very few natural resources. Its coconuts were smaller, and some of the fish in its lagoon were poisonous. Before I dive into the main story, I'd like to thank new listeners for tuning in. Welcome to the show, and I do hope that you'll continue to join us every Wednesday when I release a new episode. I'd also like to thank everyone who sent in the movie recommendations I asked for. Your recommendations kept me entertained throughout the weekend, which was great because I really needed to unwind. At the best of times, this show can be stressful, and it's good to know that you guys have got my back. If you like this show, you should get on Apple Podcasts and leave us a 5-star review. You should also subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're using. If you want to do more, get on patreon.com forward slash society of strife and buymeacoffee.com forward slash society of strife and leave a donation. Those donations really help. When the US Navy took the Bikinians to Rongerik, they left them with fresh water and only a month's supply of food. The Americans knew that the Bikinians would be on the atoll for longer than, than a month, but it didn't seem to concern them. After all, they had achieved what they had set out to do in the first place, which was to get the Bikinians out of the way. Over the following months, the Bikinians suffered severe food shortages and starvation. To make matters worse, a fire destroyed many of the coconut trees on Rongerik, worsening the food crisis. Desperate, the Bikinians took the young and the elderly to live with relatives on Rongelap. This was before the Bravo bomb test. They also asked for supplies to take back to Bikini. Luckily for the Bikinians, the international press caught wind of their mistreatment and publicized it. Concerned about bad optics, the US Navy decided to move the Bikinians out of Rongerik and to another atoll called Ujilang. Unfortunately for the Bikinians, there was a problem. The AEC was relocating the people of Enewetak Atoll to Ujilang in preparation for nuclear testing on Enewetak. The Navy, for whatever reason, didn't know these, and so they were forced to take the Bikinians back to Rongerik. Once they had been unceremoniously offloaded on Rongerik, the Navy turned and left. If the Bikinians were hungry before, things were about to get worse. By the end of 1947, the only things the Bikinians had to eat was a thin concoction made of flour and water, fish that were mildly poisonous, and the edible parts of trees. Everyone on the island was just skin and bones. To people who stopped by the island, what they saw reminded them of Nazi concentration camps. Finally, as a result of public pressure, the US government temporarily relocated the Bikinians from Rongerik to Kwajalein in March 1948. As you might guess, life did not really improve for the Bikinians. They were forced to live in tents alongside a busy concrete airstrip. For people who weren't used to the noise generated by aircraft, life became very miserable. Additionally, because Kwajalein was a US military base, the Bikinians weren't permitted to move around freely. 
they had to depend on the US military for everything. Six months later, the Bikinians were moved yet again, this time to a very tiny island called Kili, which was located 805 kilometers from Bikini. Because of its size and rough waters, Kili had no harbor. It also didn't have a lagoon, much to the disappointment of the Bikinians. Kili wasn't going to be a permanent home for the Bikinians. 20 years later, in 1969, the US began decontaminating Bikini. They bulldozed radioactive vegetation, replaced soil in planned living areas, and added potassium fertilizer to reduce the amount of radiation that plants would absorb from the remaining radioactive soil. They also constructed new buildings. Just like in Rongelap, the AEC announced, quote, there's virtually no radiation left and we can find no discernible effect on either plant or animal life, end quote. After the news came out, some Bikinians were ecstatic, but others, not so much. As it turned out, the latter were right. Further monitoring revealed radiation in water, in locally grown coconuts, and in breadfruit. Radiation in locally grown food was so high that the Bikinians were ingesting radiation that was nearly a hundred times higher than originally calculated. In other words, the situation was critical. For the Bikinians, instead of being angry, they were heartbroken. They couldn't believe that the US had lied to them yet again. This time though, the stakes were even higher because not only had they been lied to, but they had also been poisoned. In the end, some Bikinians went back to Kili Island and others chose to resettle in the US. So, let's talk about the aftermath and the legacy of the Bikini nuclear tests. According to the Embassy of the Republic of the Marshall Islands website, one study of the Marshall Islands showed that almost half the nation was exposed to radioactive fallout from the US nuclear tests. According to the embassy, quote, the Marshallese people still confront medical problems, environmental contamination, displacement, and social upheaval resulting from the testing program, end quote. The Bikinians and the Rongelapis would also endure a range of medical problems as a result of the nuclear tests. From radiation burns and thyroid tumors to leukemia and gastrointestinal cancers, miscarriages and deformed children also increased by orders of magnitude after the nuclear tests. Once independent, self-sustaining communities, the Bikinians and the Rongelapis were made into dependent people by the US government. Forced evacuations also tore apart the communities. The Marshall Islands gained independence in 1982. After independence, the US and the people of Bikini entered into a number of agreements over the years in recognition of the contributions and forced sacrifices resulting from the US nuclear testing program. The first of these was the 1983 Compact for Free Association, or CFA. This agreement provided $150 million in compensation payments to people to people of the Bikini, Enewetak, Rongelap, and Utrik Atolls. In 1988, the government of the Marshall Islands established the Marshall Islands Nuclear Claims Tribunal in accordance with a previous agreement with the United States. The tribunal's purpose was to study damages and to make additional awards to affected Marshallese people. In 2001, the Nuclear Claims Tribunal awarded more than $560 million to the people of Bikini. The money 
was for bikini atoll because it could no longer be used. The money was also for hardships suffered by the bikinians as a result of their relocations and for the restoration of bikini to a safe and productive status. Sounds great, right? Well, wait for it. Yeah, they never received the money. The bikinians received only $2.3 million of said money. In 2006, the bikinians filed a lawsuit seeking compensation under the Fifth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution for the taking of their property and for the U.S. government's refusal to adequately fund the Nuclear Claims Tribunal Award. In 2006, a U.S. appeals court ruled that those claims were settled in 1986 and that the islanders had no right to additional funds. Attorneys then took the case to the Supreme Court. Justices dismissed the case without comment in 2010. They should have issued a comment. Here, I'll make one up for them. Quote, we are biased, so don't expect us to make a decision against our country. End quote. Let's speak honestly for a minute. The US refuses to compensate their fellow countrymen for 200 years of slavery. And you think that they are going to compensate someone whose lands they poisoned? According to American author and filmmaker Jack Niedenthal, quote, The Bikinians attempt to collect the $563 million settlement awarded by the Nuclear Claims Tribunal was thrown out of the Supreme Court in 2010. The Bikinians' only avenue for further funding is the U.S. Congress. We continue to lobby Congress, but doubt it will help, end quote. As with Bikini, Rongelap has been trying for many years in lawsuits and hearings attempting to obtain compensation for the damages done by the nuclear testing. The Rongelapis have received money from the Nuclear Claims Tribunal settlements of 1983 and 1991. In 2001, after 15 years of legal action, the tribunal ruled that the U.S. owed the people of Rongelap $1 billion in damages for radiation illnesses, the contamination of the atoll, emotional distress, and the past and present loss of lands. Even today, the Rongelap atoll is so contaminated that it cannot be used to grow food. As with Bikini, the Rongelapis have received very little compensation, partly because the US refuses to fund the Nuclear Claims Tribunal. They, ha they have also tried getting US courts to enforce the tribunal's award, but that has been to no avail. By 2013, the U.S. had made progress in reducing radioactivity from Rongelap by removing layers of contaminated soil and replacing it with clean, crushed coral and, and spreading potassium fertilizer over areas used for agricultural activities. Studies show that the radiation levels on Rongelap have reached the levels of background radiation found in other parts of the world, and the U.S. has declared Rongelap fit for human habitation again. Problem is, and I cannot blame the people of Rongelap for these, they don't believe the U.S. government. The U.S. government has lied about radiation on Rongelap in the past, and there is absolutely no proof that they aren't lying about it today. As John Anjain's nephew, Jelton Anjain, said, quote, Despite the fact that the islands are not ready and are still contaminated, the U.S. Congress is urging our people to move back. Our people are still uneasy about going back as we know the islands are still not clean. People do not trust the Department of Energy. They are not truthful about the cleanup and safety of the islands." End quote. The mayor of Rongelap 
disagreed with him, saying, quote, People are in high spirits about the possibility of resettling. The house construction is on track, end quote. I think that the decision to resettle should be made by all the Rongelapis, and whatever decision they make, I wish them luck. Before I end, I'd like to quote an article from LiveScience.com that was published in 2019. Quote, Some of the Marshall Islands in the Pacific Ocean, such as the Bikini and Enemetak Atolls, are still more radioactive than Chernobyl and Fukushima, even though more than 60 years have passed since the United States tested radioactive weapons on those islands. End quote. What we can infer from that article is that the nightmare for the Bikinians is not over, at least not yet. I will provide a link to the full article in the episode description and I will continue updating this story as new events unfold. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, share it. You should also remember to get on Apple Podcasts and leave us a 5-star review. If you feel you can do more, get on patreon.com forward slash society of strife and leave a donation. As I have previously mentioned, you can now donate as little as a single dollar. Those donations help me keep the show afloat. Until next time, goodbye.